Well, here I am, folks. You get me. And I'm debating whether I'm going to climb on this chair or not because that could be a whole comedy scene in itself if I can't do this. I really want to sit down, so I'm going to try. Don't, don't laugh if I fall. Okay, I'm up here, but I might not get down, or I might slide off at some point. Now, this could be 10 minutes long. It could be a little bit longer. We may get out of here really early. But we will be singing a song after I'm done sharing, and we'll be doing communion together, too. Those of you that are online, if you want to get something, uh, some juice, water, bread, crackers, to be able to participate with us, that would be awesome. And Harry will be leading us in communion in a little while. So when Denny went in the hospital last night, it was kind of late to call anyone the last minute, so I'm going to share my testimony this morning. And... Uh, you might fall asleep, but you know, just get your nap in early if you do. <laughs> and uh, so I was kind of trying to type this up a little bit last night and get it together. But I want to go to the scripture, Philippians 3. That's where my favorite scripture is. And I'm reading out of uh, a New Living Bible because that's the one that I had back when I came to the Lord. And that was the one I clung on to. So beginning in verse 7, Philippians 3. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection of the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. Okay, now I'm going to get down. It's like a slide or something like that. I grab water. Thank you for being patient with me. I was a uh, surprise in my family. And when I, when I say that, it's because my brother was almost 18 and my sister was almost 17 when I came along. And so they were really surprised. <laughs> and my brother says, when mom told us about it, I asked her, mom, this can't be right. Are you sure? <laughs> but uh, I came along and having older siblings, And siblings that married a few years after I was born, it was like having three sets of parents. So it was kind of awesome. <laughs> I was catered to quite a bit. I was a little bit spoiled, just a little bit. Um, but of course, I loved it growing up. I was born in Michigan, so I have I carry my map with me wherever I go. And I grew up there. I lived in a lot of different 
homes and towns and cities. I was born in Charlevoix. I may not even remember them all. Then I lived in Vicksburg, then Lansing, then Truffaut, then Stanton, then Flint. Uh, my dad was a special education teacher, and my mom was a homemaker. The high school that I went to happened to be the one that my dad taught special ed in. And so he was there, as well as my brother who was a counselor and a basketball coach, as well as my sister-in-law who was in the library. So again, I got catered to, I think, just a little bit. And probably got by with some things in class. I wasn't a bad kid, but I sure didn't know how to study, so I think they kind of let me slough off, which wasn't good later on. Um, but I may have been, I think I had a little special treatment in high school also. Growing up, I was really, I was really a good kid. I was a really good teenager. I was involved with our youth group at church. I was the president back then of our youth group. Um, I was on the district, uh, there was a, a choir that our district had going on, I was in that, I was on Campus Crusade, um, back then it was Campus Crusade, I'm not sure what it is now, and sang in a group that traveled in Campus Crusade, and um, really was pretty good, <laughs> I didn't get in trouble. Um, and I think I was okay around adults because they thought I was an okay kid and everything. When I was young, I is when I asked Jesus to come into my life. I was at camp, I believe, when I first did it. Asked Jesus to forgive me, come into my life. But I struggled understanding what grace and unconditional love was all about. I didn't really understand God's love for me. I think I felt like um, in order for God to love me, that there were certain standards I had to live by, live up to. I remember going to the altar a zillion times, almost every Sunday, because I thought I had blown it. You know, I didn't know I'd do oceans one day that week or something like that. I mean, my standard was much higher than God's was. <laughs> but I thought I needed to be perfect in order for him to love me. I didn't tell God I loved him because in order to say that, say I love you meant I needed to show it in every single way, perfectly. I didn't tell others I loved them. You know, when it came to Mother's Day, uh, I didn't buy a Mother's Day card that said I love you or a Father's Day card that said I love you because I had perfected myself to be able to say that to my mom and dad even. But that then carried over to my relationship with God. I thought I had to be perfect for him to love me. I thought his love was conditional. And if I would act a certain way, then he would love me. As I said, I was a good kid, and um, I strive to be good in all the time so that others and God would love me. And after graduation, I headed to Olivet Nazarene University. It was it's called University now. It's called college back then. I think they were able to change it to university when Dennis and I left. And, uh, you know, kind of upgraded it once we got out of there. <laughs> where I really began to struggle, though. Now, I had some great things going on. I, I met a lot of friends. Um, socially, I loved, I loved social things and parties and, and Olivet Follies and all kinds of things that went on there. I traveled with a singing group for a summer. 
again, that was the same group. It was the first mixed group they had ever sent out to like camps and district assemblies and such during the summer. And then they didn't send another mixed group out for a lot of years after that, so I always wondered if that was, if we kind of wrecked that for a while. But I did travel in that group, and then I traveled in a couple other groups with um, other college students that sang, went out to preach and to share. But being a good girl, I think, just so you know, I've been really weepy the last couple weeks, so if I break down, you'll know. It's, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> I think that, um, I thought that when sin did enter my life, when something came up I was tempted to, I thought sin would, I would not want to do it because it would be horrendous, it would be awful. I didn't want to get involved with that. But when those temptations started coming in college, I found out differently. I found out that sometimes sin is fun. Sometimes it's pleasurable. Sometimes it's enjoyable. But scripture says only for a season. So I thought I was really having a great time during some of that time that I'll share with you about. But it was only for a season because after a point, it was like I couldn't live that way anymore. After a couple years in college, being really good socially, but not being good in my classes, they suggested that I leave for a while. <laughs> so, you know, to figure out if I knew how to study good figure that out, come back. So I went home, which was not a great place for me to go, or at least I wasn't doing well going home. Uh, I got a job, went to church, lived with mom and dad. Um, I just didn't handle it well heading home. And to make a long story short, I decided I needed to leave after just being home for a short time. So what I did, now don't any teens listen to this, what I did was I went bought a backpack, I uh, grabbed what little bit of money I had, packed a few clothes, and I bought a knife, too. Because, you know, if anything happened, I was going to use that knife and pull it out and use it. I don't think it was sharp enough to cut anything, but I had my knife with me. And I went parked my parents' car in a parking lot at one of the malls or stores nearby, and I took off hitchhiking. <laughs> it's kind of funny to look back now. It was not safe. It was not good. I was picked up by a couple of people I probably needed that knife for, but I scooted out when we stopped for rest breaks and stuff, you know, and kind of ran from them. Anyway, I took off. I ended up at Olivet, because that's where some of my friends were. It's the only place I knew to go. And I stayed there for a couple of weeks with my friends. Um, I, my mom wasn't talking to me at that point in time. <laughs> but, so she sent my sister to Olivet to get me, and mom and dad approved that I would at least be able to go out and live with my brother for a while, who lived out in Boston. He was um, a professor out at Eastern National University, and he was uh, the basketball coach and, and headed up all their sports programs out there. So I went to live with he and my, my sister-in-law, and um, I made some really poor choices while I was there. Boston is a fun town to live in. There are lots of neat bars and, and nightclubs and things like that to go to. And I started going to some of those and I um, 
got an apartment with another girl there and we started drinking. We got into some drugs at that point in time. I was working in a department store and I learned how to um, take money from the cash register without anyone knowing. I learned how to sneak um, items that I wanted for my kitchen and such out of the store. And um, I'm sure it's because many people were praying for me that a lot of bad things didn't happen to me, that, that um, I was covered in prayer during this time. I really believe that now looking back. Because there are consequences to sin. And I could have been in jail, I could have been dead. Um, just a lot of other things could have happened to me and I know I was covered in prayer. But at one point, um, I moved back to Kankakee, which is where all of it is. And I got an apartment with another girl who had been a, a student at Olivet, and she wasn't doing well great either. And um, I got a job there and was living in Kankakee, and I started drinking more. And I started using harder drugs during that time. Um, just so you know, I did not like the taste of, of any kind of drink. I just did it because I wanted to not feel and to get drunk during that time. And some of the drugs I used were, were really really not good. I think Satan can really use drug abuse in a huge way because I remember at times being so high and actually seeing demons coming at me. Um, at one point though, because of my drug use and drinking, um, I had worn myself way down and got very sick and ended up in bed for a couple weeks. And while I was there, these friends I was hanging out with uh, never came to check on me. They stole all my jewelry and what little bit of money I had. I had, a nice, I had two nice class rings that they took from me. Uh, I kind of always felt really sad about that. But it kind of started waking me up. You know, what was I doing? Uh, as I was laying in bed really sick, I got an old, I probably my mom sent it to me, an old standard, do you remember standards? They were like little papers you could take after church and take home and read stories out of them. And there was a story in there, and I don't know if I remember it totally, but it was about um, a missionary who found a baby in some freezing cold, and um, the baby was, was freezing to death, and the missionary took off his clothes, it covered it, and the missionary ended up dying as it was saving this baby. And the story related to Christ dying for us, giving up everything to come and cover us and to die for us. And that just started hitting in my heart and working on me. Um, you know, during this time, I was just, I was really a mess. And I uh, even tried to commit suicide a couple times. Um, I don't think my mom was yet speaking to me at that time. But I did have a couple of friends from Olivet that would come and see me. And uh, at one point I decided, I, I decided I'm gonna head back to Olivet. And uh, after begging them to let me back in, with a lot of stipulations, they did. I had to go see the Dean of Women like every week to tell her how I was doing. And uh, I had some friends that really helped me out and really prayed for me during that time. In the beginning of Olivet, usually every year in, this, in the fall and the spring, they have a revival. 
and I don't remember who the speaker was, I don't remember anything about it, except I remember going forward and literally rocking back and forth at the altar because I felt like Satan was saying, don't, you don't believe this, and God was trying to draw me to him. I mean, it was a physical as well as emotional and spiritual thing, but I finally believed enough to allow Jesus to come into my life again and to take over. Now, there's a lot of stuff that happened after that. A lot of ups and downs with God because my babies was so bad. Um, I felt so rotten about myself. I couldn't believe still that God really loved me unconditionally. And I had to really work through those things. Even becoming a Christian, there are still tough times. But God is so good to continue to teach us. And he's so patient with us. And that's, um, that's where... Philippians 3 came into uh, my life, and I had to cling on to it. I mean, I had to cling on to Scripture because I didn't know what else to do at times. I mean, my, I was still drawn physically back to some of the drugs and drinking. I wanted that physically, but up here I'm going, but I don't want that lifestyle forever. That's not what I want. And that helped me then center my, my mind and my emotions and my um, heart on God's word and really cling to that. I finally slowly started to understand what unconditional grace was all about. And there's a lot more in my story that's ugly and um, not pretty at all, very dark. Um, I, I don't have on my sheet here, but I'm going to throw in at that point going back to Alabama is when I met Denny. And uh, for some reason, he fell in love with me. And I have to say that he was the first one to teach me what God's unconditional love was all about. Because he put up with a lot the first few years of our marriage. <laughs> um, as I was still struggling. But I didn't feel like I had learned it through family, what God's love was really about. But Dennis showed me what it was. And he still does to this day. Who you hear up here is who he is. He is genuine and real. As I said, there's a lot more in my story. But let me go back to Philippians 3. Where it says, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. You see, I thought my goodness was pretty valuable. I thought I was, you know, doing okay, striving at least. But only God was worthy. Those things, my goodness was worthless compared to knowing Jesus Christ. The life of sin I was living with was worthless compared to knowing Jesus all these things I once thought worthwhile compared to knowing Jesus were nothing. Were nothing. Only he's worthy. Only Jesus is worth it. And he was what my heart was longing for the whole time. And he was patient and his love was unconditional. His grace was there every single day even when I went up and down. And even as I still continued to grow in him, 
because I'm still growing a lot. And I'm thankful for that. Tori led us in a, in a song a few weeks ago, ago called Is He Worthy? And I was thinking about that song last night, even as I was uh, looking back at Philippians 3. All the things I thought were worthy and, and valuable are worthless because only he is worthy. This song asks a few questions. It asks, is he worthy? And they're going to come up and they're going to lead the song again and we'll have communion. Um, it's questions in this song that we need to answer at times. So he'll sing a question, we'll answer it in song. Okay. Matthew West is the one who sings this song. And when he's talking about it, he said in Revelations 5, we get one of the most staggering images of who this Jesus really is and what he's done for us and for all of creation. The prophet John is weeping loudly because no one can be found that's worthy. Worthy to break the seal, to open the scroll. And then Jesus comes into the picture and he is worthy. And the angels and the archangels and the elders and even you and I can start singing Worthy are you. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And the question on the song was, is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? And he is, because everything else is worthless. Compared with knowing Christ, I found that out years ago, and I still see it every day, even if I'm struggling still that Jesus is worth it. He is worth it. My kids in Africa will say that many times when they've gone through things, Jesus is worth it. So I don't know where you are today. Um, Harry's going to lead us in communion a little bit, but during this song, just sing from your heart, whether you're standing or sitting, answer these questions. Yes, he is worthy, because we need to learn how to praise him and be thankful for what he's done for us every single day. And if you need to come down and pray, do that. But join us in singing, and then we'll have a time of communion.